1 Corinthians 15. But someone will say, how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body do they come? You fool. That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but of bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. Father, help us who have finite minds to grab a hold of this infinite truth. Help us who are mere mortals step into a realization of immortality. Father, help us to discern and to drink deep and to be overwhelmed with a supernatural truth that is beyond the reason of man. Help us, Lord, to have eyes to see and to have ears to hear and to draw from this. In Christ's name, amen. This is a, uh, I was just going over this and thinking about this for weeks now. And, uh, and I, have, I have to be honest with you. There's a part of me that looks at this, uh, especially 35 through 49, as humorous. Okay? And because <laughs> the reason that I think it's humorous, and maybe it's just me, but the reason I believe it's humorous is that I listen to the, the Christians, evangelicals, debate evolution. And, and, um, and, and we, we discuss, um, well, God probably did it, but science has pretty much proven that it's billions of years old and this, that, and the other. And then I read this text and I think, yeah, you're right. I mean, you guys are wanting to say that Darwin was right. What do you do with literal bodily resurrection? How's that working for you? What has science proved to you on that one? Okay, uh, and, and yet I watch the church and, 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 you know, there's things that we will embrace. And then, you know, I think about literal bodily resurrection and it is obvious that many don't believe in it. Okay, they may profess it with their mouths, but their lives do not believe in it. Because the Apostle Paul here is very adamant that this is motivation. I mean, whatever your motivation is, a bodily resurrection should be on the list. And, and when I look at this, because he starts it out, the first 11 verses are eyewitness proof of the resurrection. And it's an amazing group. I mean, you expect it from the disciples. They hung out with them. They forfeited everything. And they've just got to have something. Okay? But then you throw in the mix his half-brother, who wasn't even sold out on his ministry. And then you take an enemy like the Apostle Paul, and he visually seen the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he has this great mass of witnesses um, that cover all of it. And yet he says, who would argue this? If you really think about it, if you're really honest with yourself, if you had 600 plus eyewitnesses to something, you've probably got a, an airtight case. I don't care what it was. Um, 
In verses 12 through 19, he goes through the importance of the resurrection, the literal bodily resurrection, and how the apostles would be liars. Our message would be stupid. We, of all men, should be pitied more than any. And by the way, what is it that you came to the gospel on? I mean, you can't mess with this doctrine. And if the truth of the matter is, this is a foolish doctrine to mess with. Not when you have that many eyewitnesses. And not when you have that much proof. But then he showed us in 20 through 28 that there was a resurrection plan. Each in his own order. And this was all just as it was sealed because Christ was the first fruit, the guarantee of the harvest. And the text is dealing with the harvest of resurrection. Then in 29 to 34, we saw the motivation that is behind it, the motivation of salvation, the motivation to service, the motivation to sanctification. It's all in there because of the bodily resurrection. But he starts it out with a question because in each of these, he would deal with implied questions. Okay, I mean, the first, here's the bodily resurrection of Christ. I've got this many witnesses, so everybody would say, all right, pro- no problem. We will, son of God, raised from the dead, amen. But it has no effect on us. Okay, well, let me give you the importance of it not having an effect on you. Oh, by the way, if that don't work, did you know what the plan of the resurrection was or the motivation that was behind it? But here in 35, he asked two questions. This would be the two common questions. And it's funny because I see this today. I mean, when people say, well, you can't be cremated. How will God resurrect your body? It'd be easy. You'll be able to spot them. There'll be the big pile of ash that kind of moves around. There should be no problem. Okay, but that's what they'll ask. Um, What happens when a body is exposed to an explosion to the magnitude that there is no pieces left. What do you do with that one? Okay, so, but we have it. And there's many in the evangelical church today and in some pulpits today who will tell you that it is a spiritual thing. Has no implications to you in a physical realm. Because... How are the dead raised? I mean, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever been to a funeral? Have you ever looked at what they do? If they use a casket, they seal the casket and they lower it down into a vault and then they seal the vault and then they fill that thing full of dirt. How are you going to get out of that? I'm just going to have them put a skylight in my casket. But I watch Christians who do. And then I look at the methodology and the junk that the church is grabbing a hold of to quote unquote make themselves more holy. And they're living in the power of resurrection. Have you ever thought about that? The power of the resurrection? I've never seen anybody resurrected. I haven't. I look for it with anticipation because it's going to be cool. 
and it's going to be different. But how do I, as a, as a, as a being who has a lifespan, I'm living in a finite area, I'm living in mortality. How do I wrap my head around resurrection? How do I make that real? How, 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 how is this even possible? I mean, we debate whether the earth is a billion years old. All right, you know what? I have more proof that it's not than I have proof that it is. I mean, one, I mean, I'll never forget one of the first times I ever flew across the Southwest headed down toward L.A. And I looked at the canyon lands and the Grand Canyon and all of that that's down there. And all you can see there, it's kind of fascinating if you really think about it, it is the way the water would run off had it been there. And then did you know on the north side of that bugger there's a great salt lake? Where did that come from? It didn't drain. But you can look at it in my driveway. I have a asphalt, a recycled asphalt. If you take the water hose and sit there and run it where it goes down through there, it looks just like the southwest. The water's moving away to the low spot. It's exactly what the southwest looks like when you fly over it. Hmm. I mean, it were a big flood, huh? Yeah, there was. Okay. That's the kind of stuff, you know, I, I have a, a dear friend. You, some of you remember Henry Puyntek. I've been in contact with his son, David. And David just can't believe that I believe in a young earth. And uh, David's a hunter. And I said, well, let me ask you something, David. If we go out and shoot Bambi, and we dig a hole real fast and throw his old carcass in there and then cover it back up, how quick will it be before he is a, a fossil? Well, we can't make a fossil. I said, why not? Well, he would just decompose it and rot it, turn back to dust. I said, well, then where the heck did fossils come from? Well, he says, you know, it takes a lot of pressure, has to be sealed off from the atmosphere right away, and you have to put pressure on top of it. And he goes off on this big old physics dissertation. I said, sort of like a big flood, huh? I don't know why he keeps seeking me out. But anyway... <laughs> But I want you to think about that because it is easier for me to believe in a young earth than resurrection. And yet the question is, is how are the dead raised? And I mean, over the next few weeks, we'll be looking at, at this principle. I mean, our resurrected bodies, the principle, it's illustrated. It's illustrating. And, 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 but what will, the next question is, what kind of body do they, what, what's it going to look like? I mean, what's it going to be? Then the Apostle Paul will contrast that for us because in the contrasting of it, he will give us further clarity. And then he concludes his argument on our resurrected bodies with a living example, what I call the prototype. And we'll be bouncing back and forth with that. But basically what he's doing here is just blasting skeptics. And um, you know what's funny about this letter? When I, when I get to this text, 
it's like when during our announcements, I'll read letters from Pastor Paul or from our, 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 our church planners in Russia or something like that, and I'll just read it. When this letter got to church in Corinth, it would have been read before the congregation. Woohoo! I mean, it, you know, the first half of it is like, oh, gee. Okay, I mean, the guy who had his father's wife is probably going, oh, where is the exit door? Okay, because everybody in here knows who he's talking about. And then he would have got to this part here and he says, you fool! He beats around the book. Senseless one. That's the term that would have been used. Senseless one. You're so skeptical. We have eyewitnesses. Look at all I've given you in these first 34 verses of this letter on a proof of the resurrection. And you would come up with a lame excuse on, well, how are the dead raised? Well, you bury everybody with a little shovel. Okay. And when the body gets back alive again, it can dig itself out. Did you miss it? He raised the dead. I think getting him out of the ground is not going to be that difficult. You've got to keep the flow here in because here's what he says. You fool. And then he uses this phrase. With your hand, you sow. That's the literal phrasing in the original language. So he's tying senseless one. What do you do when you plant a grain seed? So he ties the illustration of the seed to the fool. You put the seed into the ground and you bury it. And then all of a sudden it comes alive. And does what? Sticks up out of the ground. And he says, you fool. How many seeds have you planted and you have seen this event? And you're asking how? How are the resurrected raised? Have you not had a piece of bread? As clear Listen, let's be realistic here. As clear as a human illustration can be of an unhuman supernatural reality. Okay, I've watched seeds. Uh, my uh, grandparents used to dry all their seeds and, uh, and sometimes they'd eat them and sometimes they'd replant them and they didn't look like they had a chance. And the next thing you know, they got a big old field full of soybean. How'd you do that? Paul says, there is no more problem with the resurrection concept than you have with the concept of harvesting. There's no difference. See that seed, literally that seed in your hand that you sow. I think Paul's on a little bit on the short side of patience right here. You sow it into the ground, the seed is dead, it dies. It decomposes. And then on some crazy reason, it rises. And the strength of that that life from that dead seed pushes itself out of the ground. Now listen, 
It's funny, if you look at your outline, you'll see that the, the illustration of the resurrection is there is a dying, there is a difference, and there is a desire. And, I, and I'll deal with these in the next couple of weeks. But um, let's be realistic. You plant that seed in the ground. It will come out in a different form, right? Has some kind of stock, some kind of vine, leaves, more flowers, and fruit, right? It didn't go in the ground like that. So it definitely changes its form, correct? There is a, some kind of a transformation is going to take place. But you know what? In some sense, it's still connected to that seed. So the first element of this illustration is the dying. You know, you plant it in the ground, it dies, and another one is going to come forth, and it will be different. But listen, you can't go plant corn and, and get soybean. All right? But it's going to be different, is it not? It'll be different than the seed. Yet there is the same principle exists. There is the same desire there to, to life, to come forth. Whatever grain you sow, you're going to get that kind of life. And it's going to come from that seed. I mean, if, if, if I plant a, a maple seed, I'm not going to get cotton. Probably going to get a maple tree. All right? If I plant a grain seed, I can't expect it to grow trees. You know, I planted all this barley and all I, I didn't get one pine tree. Can you believe it? And even if I plant the same, expecting the same plant, it'd be different in appearance than from that seed. That's what the Apostle Paul is getting at. And yet it's going to have the same, for lack of a better term, it'll have the same life principle. I mean... What you sow, you will reap. Right? I, I mean, that, that isn't even physics. I mean, that, duh. Paul says the key is that the decomposing of that seed, and that the dying of that seed, and then from that dying of that seed, from the death, it will push forth a life out of the ground. A new life. Different but a lot. And it's true. And he says, that's what it is. That's resurrection. And I, I like the way, because he ties this thing together, because you fool, you sow with your, that seed in your hand, you sow with your hand. Does the same thing. And you're skeptical. And yet, there's a difference. There will be a difference. I, I want to deal with this a little bit because I think we struggle with it. It is a death. All right. Jesus taught this in relation to his own death and his own resurrection. Um, in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies... 
it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Right? It brings forth much fruit. Jesus, speaking of himself, said that he must die, that he will bear much fruit. Use Paul's analogy in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. He said he is the first fruits. He is the guarantee of a larger harvest. You know, I look at it and I, I, I think about this because here I have laid to rest very dear friends of mine. And, 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 and we hurt when that happens. But have you ever thought of it that it is the end of the old and it is the beginning of the new? You know, we buried my dear friend Ed a few years ago. And I remember the last time he had consciousness, he was going to go in and have this biopsy thing done. They didn't know if he'd ever get off a ventilator. And he went in for the surgery, and I was there. His wife was there. It was just the three of us. And, and he asked me to pray. And I said, well, okay, bro. Uh, and he says, I, this is my prayer. Uh, most of you who remember him, his health had really gone downhill that last year. And he says, I pray. I want you to pray, Terry, that if I cannot come back and serve the church in the capacity of which I am, that I go home. And he was struggling. I mean, he was very weak and a lot of pain, um, medicated and all kind of weird stuff. Because, see, he looked at it as the end of the old and the better is over here. Plant it in the ground so when that new life rises up, it'll be different, but it'll still be the same. There is a transformation that takes place. Jesus was adamant about that. In Luke's gospel, it speaks of Jesus in his early life. It says that he grew in wisdom and stature. And in favor of God and men. All right? So when you think about Jesus, do you realize that he started out as an infant? Listen, you need to understand this about him. He was, in all senses, a human body. I mean, if he took a mallet and smacked his thumb, it would send pain to his brain. It, it didn't matter. Working in a carpenter shop, I'm sure if you've ever worked with wood, there's them little things called splinters. Little buggers are everywhere, and you just can't seem to get around them. And they like to attach themselves to you. And sometimes you get great big splinters, and then just wee. Jesus would have gotten splinters. But he grew. He grew just like you and I. I mean, uh, I was listening to the new papas in the church speaking of the sizes of their babies. And, and I remember those days. It was like a bad dream. <laughs> but it was. You want them to roll over. All right, we got to roll over. Now let's crawl. All right, we got to crawl. Let's run. Let's walk. Let's, oh my God, it's moving. <laughs> 
Then you go from quick get up and walk to sit down and shut up. <laughs> it's just a vicious cycle. It's just, you know, you sit there and think, well, I want this little child to talk. And then you're like, God, I wish this child would shut up. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, if you've ever had them, you think, man, they were so darling when they slept all the time. <laughs> Why did I want it to grow? Jesus, <laughs> Jesus was in every aspect that way. So when you think about that, think about his death. It was a real death. We're not talking a swooning. I heard somebody arguing that on Christian radio the other day. It was a swooning. And then in the coolness of the, uh, the tomb, he regained consciousness. And then he, with holes in the arches of his feet and his wrists, he rolled a stone out of the way and went and partied with everybody. Sure he did. <laughs> okay. All right. He may not have died, but that's a miracle there. <laughs> that guy get up and start walking. <laughs> I mean, gee, many crickets. You just sit there and you go, do you realize how? Never mind. But yet his body was alive. His body was alive. I want you to think about that because it's, it said that he grew in stature. You know, he was born in a manger and he was wrapped in, in, in an infant blanket. Uh, he, 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 had, he was completely vulnerable to all of existence that he spoke into being. There he was. Okay? And, and, and they fed him and they cared for him and he grew and he learned to walk and he learned to talk. Okay, and this is amazing. He is one who created communication. He's the one who flung the stars into the sky. He numbered them. He knows when the sparrow falls. He knows the hairs on your head. And here he was, growing. As a child. As a child. But something happened. He dies. He's crucified. He's murdered. Take his body down and they put it in a rich man's tomb. He comes out of the tomb. And then this is fascinating. And I'll try to develop it. But I just want you to think about this a minute. When you take, I keep thinking about these. My grandma used to have these beans. And she would lay them out. She had a, like a piece of screen that you put in your window. It had a frame on it. And she'd lay these suckers out on that and on, on the hood of the car. Okay. And they'd hang out there all day and they would just shrivel up into, yeah, you did that intentionally. Okay. And then next spring, she goes stick them in the ground. And you're sitting there going, brilliant idea. Why didn't you do that earlier? But anyway, um, and then all of a sudden, She'd have all these green beans. And you just sit there and go, oh, I hate green beans. But anyway, um, we're going to pick green beans. We've got that weed thing going. But those green beans didn't look nothing like that little white shriveled up thing. Right? All of a sudden it comes out of the ground and it's green and it's lush. It's got leaves all over the place. Then all of a sudden you get these little green flower thing and all of a sudden a little pot comes out of it and you get a little and you've got more of them dumb old green beans again. 
Okay, and she'd take about half of them. Guess what? Lay them out there on the hood of the cart on that little rack thing, and they'd shrivel up and die. The other she put in um, cannon jars, and you eat them until they're coming out your ears. And then the next year, she could plant them in the ground, and all of a sudden, these plants would come up out of the ground, and you got that greens, and you keep thinking, how do you get that luscious field of green beans from them nasty old shriveled up things? Chapter 24 of the Gospel of Luke. And behold, two of them were going that very day to the village named Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking to each other about all the things which had taken place. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Okay, well, maybe they didn't know who he was, really. And he said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still looking sad. And one of them named Clopas answered and said, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem unaware of the things which happened here in these days? <laughs> That's a nice way of telling God, what are you, stupid? <laughs> you got to be careful. <laughs> you know, God, there he's just... Are you just unaware? You didn't have CNN on, did you? Okay. And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty in deed and in word and in sight of God and all the people. Stop right there. You know what that means? They knew who Jesus was. They knew who Jesus was. They didn't have a full understanding of it, but they knew who Jesus was. Okay, you have a man, a baby to a man. He followed the natural movement of growth that exists with all of us. He was murdered and placed in a grave. Here he is on the road to Emmaus talking to these, these guys. <clears throat> and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all of this, it is the third day since these things have happened. But also some of the women among us amazed us when they said that the they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying, they'd also seen a vision of an angel. Crazy women. Who's, that's what they're thinking, man. Don't you ever kid yourself. I know what this is. A woman says he's talking to angels. <laughs> yeah, Okay. <laughs> was it a little short fat angel or was it a big tall anyway um, and they said he was alive and some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it exactly as the women had said but him we did not see he said to them oh foolish men slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory. Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things according to the things concerning himself and all of scriptures. And as they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he was going further. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us. Yeah, you you are a great Bible teacher. You know, we still lost this guy, but it's obvious you know your Bible. Well, we sit, we'll, we'll sit and talk about this. 
Stay with us. It's getting toward evening and, and day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he had reclined at a table with them, he took bread and he blessed, blessed it and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished in their sight. Okay, listen. The seed went into the ground. Dead and decomposing. Life burst forth and forced it out of the ground. But it was different. I don't know how. There's an, in John's gospel, remember he, he appears to him in the upper room? Okay. I mean, he's there and then he's, wait, how do he do that? And then when he shows up in their midst, of course, it freaks them out. So they were very afraid. I thought there's an understatement in scripture. Okay. He said, what is this? He says to them, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. So they give him some fish to eat. He's hungry. Well, dude, if you just rose from the dead, you'd be hungry too. I haven't eaten in three days. And then he walks right through the wall. And I don't know what happened with the fish. <laughs> Is it resurrected? Does a fish get resurrected if you eat it? I don't know. That could, that could have freaked everybody out. Then they were more afraid. <laughs> He'll be back in a minute. He should be hungry again. <laughs> but do you see what I'm trying to get at? It was Jesus because there's something he could do that when he revealed himself, they knew who he was. But when they looked at him, unless he revealed himself, they had no idea who he was. That, so when you plant that thing into the ground, life takes it over, raises it up out of the ground, but it's different, isn't it? It's definitely different. I mean, let's be realistic. <clears throat> He's standing on Mount Ereba, tells his disciples that I'm out of here. Okay, go make disciples of all nations. All right, and I'll be back. All right, then he ascends. Now try that. That's difficult. And then to ascend through the clouds into space. What's he going to breathe? How does that work? Well, it went in in one form and yet it comes out with another form, but it is still the same precious life. That's what the apostle Paul is trying to explain to you and me that I am butchering. I'm not having any luck trying to explain this because all I can tell you is what the scripture says. And I don't understand it. Although it would be fun at times to be able to stand with people and change so they don't know who you are. <laughs> and then peek at them. <laughs> I could get in a lot of trouble with that. And I'd have a blast with going through walls too. Don't kid yourself. Yeah, I'd just do that for... Something to do. Do you understand that? That's what Apostle Paul is trying to get at. And do you understand why he uses the term senseless one? 
This is like planting a seed. Ain't no different planting a seed. You plant the seed, what happens? It dies. So what happens? So it will bring forth life. Yeah, that'd be me. I'd be resurrected as a green bean. <laughs> when Jesus went into the ground, as the seed goes into the ground, it goes into the grave, it is the burial of the old body. What comes out of the grave will be that life, that person, that individual, that principle. But in some way, it's going to be different. We will know each other. Your personalities, your conscience, that that you are is going to be intact. Your body will be different. It will have the ability to do different things. I mean, it gives a whole new meaning to the beam me up Scotty thing. I mean, he told the thief on the cross today, you'll be with me in paradise. And I know that that is on the opposite side of creation. That's flying. <laughs> I mean, that, you, you're, that's some serious speed you're taking on there. And I've listened to people try to say, well, he's just going into a black hole. That's what it was. God just brought him a black hole and he went through time and yeah. Sure enough. Okay. And that's all he's doing. He's just out cruising around. Okay. You still haven't dealt with his omnipresent. <laughs> all right. Just work on that one. That didn't never get you going for a while. Okay. Well, how does he do that? He just got a lot of eyes. <laughs> so I share this with you because we need to understand that in the, our bodies, our bodies, okay, are just temporary. We come, we get a little attached to it though, don't we? Okay. And, and I'm not saying don't take care of yourself. That ain't what I'm saying. But I just watch a lot of people who spend an awful lot of time trying to take care of themselves for no apparent reason. My mom ain't healthy all of her life and had to have this much um, roughage and all this other stuff. And she ends up with colon cancer. And I said, wasn't that pleasant? You ate all that fiber for what purpose? Because you ain't telling me it's any good. I, I've had cream of wheat and yeah, you know, well, it's good for you. Sure it is. So's air. <laughs> but you see what I'm trying to get at? That, it's stuff like that that we, I, I watch people get in these lines that says, well, I got to do this and this and this and this. You know, really? My Bible says, give thanks and eat. I like that diet program. It's just, thank you. This quarter pounder of cheese is going to be a dandy. <laughs> okay? That's the kind of stuff. But see, we get wrapped up here in this temporal understanding that we need to understand that the old has to come to an end. And, and the reason is the new begins. Okay, and that's what you and I have to pay attention to. When we read this, there's people look at me like, resurrection, what are you, nuts? Uh-huh. Yeah, I think it's the coolest thing in the world. Have you ever seen a seed, fool? <laughs> <laughs> and then people look at you and say, well, he's rude. No, he's quoting scripture. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, we'll look at the difference in the... The desire, because there is a desire in this. Okay, and, and that's the thing that we need to focus on. You know, when I watch people want to debate stuff in the scripture, it's very clear. Absolutely clear. 
I have no problem with it whatsoever. And we want to, well, let's discuss it. Try to, you want to try to make it fit in your little pea brain. It's impossible. You're going to fit bodily resurrection in your little pea brain. I can't get it in mine. And I took a great big hammer and beat on it, tried to get it in there, and it didn't go. It don't make sense to me. But what about a seed that you sow with your own hand? <laughs> I've never had anything come out of the ground that I planted. <laughs> I see my wife do it all the time. And I just sit there and go, wow. <laughs> so she taught, I've tried it. I, I have the spiritual gift of killing. <laughs> I plant it in the ground and it says, Amen. <laughs> so, uh, yes. It ain't doing nothing. <laughs> Did I plant it too deep? Uh, you know, too deep to whatever. Okay. It's life force wasn't strong enough <laughs> to push out. Of, maybe I should quit putting rocks on top of them. Anyway. <laughs> What the, I was just making it tough. Brothers and sisters, please. Our only single hope is resurrection. Now think about what your life is if you sit there and put half your energy that you put into maintaining this temporal thing. If you took that same amount of energy and lived it in the power of a resurrected life. Would it be different? I've had two guys that I know have died in the last couple of weeks. And uh, I hear the same thing. They're not saved um, from their loved ones and their friends and all the rest of it. Well, we were going to, we were going to, he wanted to, and she wanted to, and we were going to do this, and we're going to do that. And all you hear is regret. All you hear is regret. Listen, brothers and sisters, if you live in the power of the resurrection, what are you going to regret? Nothing. You will regret nothing. But when we focus on the stuff that's going on around us, we start having regrets. And I remember that as a kid when my dad stepped into eternity. The night before he died, he said, once I get out of here and get my strength back, we're going to go take that houseboat trip. That was the big thing back where I grew up. We had big, big lakes there. and uh, We were going to take a a three-week family on the houseboat and cruise around Kentucky and Tennessee. That's what we're going to do. Guess what? Never did it. Never did it. Let us live in light of the resurrection. You will not have any regrets. Why? What force does it take to resurrect the human body? I mean, he only spoke existence into being. I mean, if you really think about it, the Battle of Armageddon, we keep telling how horrifying that is. It ain't. He just speaks. And he wins. Okay? Now, if you're down there in the valley, it's, it's a bummer. <laughs> but, but he's only going to speak. And yet, he brought his son out of the grave. And he is the first fruits for you and I. Let's hold on to that one. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for these words from my brother Paul. Thank you, Father, that uh, even in this day and age, um, we know, Lord, that there are skeptics. And yet, Father, you give us the illustration of the resurrection all around us. I see the pine cones falling out of the pine tree. 
Lord, it is everywhere. Father, help us walk in this massive, amazing truth. Father, I pray. I pray for your saints. I pray for me that we would rest full weight upon this truth. No matter what's happening, no matter what's going on, Father, when we are sowed into the ground and burial, we will be raised, transformed, and yet still similar to that seed. To your glory and praise, in Christ's name, amen.